0: So we have 20 million Americans who are bothered enough by their tinnitus to go to their doctor and say, oh my gosh, Mm. something's going on. I don't know what's happening, but this is not okay. Okay, so that's 20 million. We're going to call them the bothersome group. Mm. But that means, if you do the math, that there are 30 million Americans that are walking the streets of our country with tinnitus, but they don't care.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Altering Tinnitus Podcast. Uh, you just heard uh, Dr. Jennifer Gantz, um, she is the founder of MindfulTinnitusRelief.com. Um, we have a fantastic episode in store for you today. My name is Frida. I am the founder of OutringTinnitus.com and MyTinnitus.Club. And yeah, in today's podcast episode, I am very, very happy to be able to bring you Dr. Jennifer Gantz. Um, She has been a big figure in the international world of tinnitus treatments and today we talk about mindfulness for tinnitus, how mindfulness can help you to habituate to your tinnitus and also how you can start refocusing your attention on getting closer to uh, yeah, curing your struggle with tinnitus. I'm not saying curing your tinnitus but curing your struggle with tinnitus because that's What is the real bothersome thing for you? And uh, yeah, today we get into a lot of those concepts. I'm super excited to have you guys here. Again, if you uh, like this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to so other people can also find it and benefit from it. Um, It's fantastic to see you here. I just quickly wanna mention that we have overwhelming feedback uh, on our tinnitus book already. So if you're interested in reading our tinnitus book, then go to www.tinnitus.com tinnitus-book.com for all other information also on Dr. Gans uh, just see the show notes of this episode there are some links in the description that will take you to some of the work that I do including our community, um, being able to check out the book but also downloading some various free worksheets and free content so if you're interested in that just go into the description of this episode. Thank you Google Calendar for letting me know that my next meeting is starting soon. Anyways, I uh, wish you a lot of fun with the episode, guys, and as usual, please uh, reach out, let me know what you think about it, and uh, let's do the intro very quickly, and then get right into the episode with Dr. Jennifer Gantz from the U.S., Hello and welcome to the Ring Tinnitus Podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. Well, welcome back to the Ring Tinnitus Podcast, everyone. And um, yeah, I am very excited. Today is a special one. I always say it's a special one, but today really is a special one because we are connected over, yeah, uh, various continents, uh, a a big puddle of water in between. And today on the podcast, without further ado, it's amazing to have um, Dr. Jennifer Gans here from San Francisco. Uh, Jennifer, it's uh, fantastic to finally have you on the show. Um, We give you a virtual round of applause for being here today. Thank you so much. And uh, please uh, briefly introduce yourself to our audience.
0: Hi, Frida. It's wonderful to uh, to be talking with you today, um, across you know across the ocean and and um, reaching out to uh, people pro- probably all over the world. So, um, without further ado, my name is Dr. Jennifer Gans, and um, I'm a tinnitus specialist. I'm a clinical psychologist, but in the last um, I'd say, gosh, maybe fifteen years or so, I've really zoned in on tinnitus and. Um, I've now sat for thousands of hours, really thousands of hours with people with bothersome tinnitus, and I make the Mm. distinction bothersome tinnitus,
1: Mm. and
0: so I've learned a lot about this group, and I think Mm. that it's important to share that, and so um, I'm based in San Francisco in California, and I have a private practice. I also run an online course found at MindfulTinnitusRelief.com, which perhaps we'll we'll talk about the beginnings of um, later in the in the hour, and um, you know, this is a way for me to kind of reach out to the world so that everybody can, uh, who's interested, can take advantage of uh, the healing power of, of a mindfulness-based tinnitus stress reduction uh, program.
1: Hmm, I think. I think that's great. And people who have gathered so much knowledge and so much insight on tinnitus, um, sharing your valuable knowledge with everyone uh, out there is, uh, yeah, for everyone, just uh, exciting to have you on the show today. And I just wanted to ask you quickly, I mean, this is probably a question that you get a lot. um, How tinnitus? Why tinnitus? How did you get into tinnitus?
0: No, oh, it's a great question. So, my area of specialty since the very beginning, uh, I got a master's in deaf education from Gallaudet University. And for those who don't know, uh, Gallaudet University is the university for the deaf in Washington, D.C., here in the United States. And um, after I completed uh, my master's in deaf education, I thought to myself, you know what? I want to continue with school. And uh, my area, Working with with children who were deaf um, brought me to my uh, deep interest in the psychology of deafness. So, uh, so from that point, um, and for every year since, I've kind of molded in deafness into uh, into my practice. Now, mm-hmm. I've seen everything in deafness. I started out obviously in the deaf culture world. But I've done everything from the deaf culture world to the medical view of deafness um, mm. and was uh, the psychologist at the Cochlear Implant Center at UCSF, which is a um, nice. uh, an excellent uh, university research in, uh, institution here in San Francisco. And mm. so while I was working at the Cochlear Implant Center, obviously I'm, I'm seeing deaf patients come in, I'm doing evaluations with them, and I was hearing an awful lot about tinnitus. And so over the years, I I just got more and more interested in it and actually very interested in the fact that many people didn't really understand it, even medical professionals. And so I also, at the same time, it's all uh, fortuitous, I um, started learning about chronic pain and the value of mindfulness meditation as a treatment or management tool for chronic pain. And so mm. anytime I hear a treatment or a management tool that works for chronic pain, it makes me wonder, Hmm, I wonder if this could be helpful for tinnitus bothersome tinnitus or chronic bothersome tinnitus.
1: Mm.
0: So the work of Jon Kabat-Zinn uh, and his amazing program that he developed in the seventies called mindfulness-based stress reduction is an eight week program that is designed to, um, you know, start people off on a mindfulness meditation uh, program. So mm-hmm. uh, I was learning about that at the same time while I'm working at the Cochlear Implant Center. And I wondered to myself, well, hey, the research is showing that MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, mm-hmm. is so effective with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, there's a research study. Let me see if I can develop Mind a, a new program called Mindfulness-Based Tinnitus Stress Reduction and do some research here at UCSF and see if mindfulness-based uh, programs are excellent for chronic pain, but also for tinnitus. And sh- lo and behold, uh, we got amazing results. So this was a program that I developed, an eight-week program called Mindfulness-Based Tinnitus Stress Reduction. So all of the uh, learnings, all of the uh, programming, all of the meditations were focused on the person with bothersome tinnitus. Mm. And so after I got such great results, it was an in-person program at that time. I thought to myself, well, gosh, how do I get this out to the world? And so I flipped it into an online course so that people all over the world could take advantage of it at found at mindful tinnitus So that's my long winded, um, way of saying that, um, you know, this is something that evolved over time, but something that uh, research has shown to be amazingly effective for people with bothersome tinnitus.
1: Mm. And I mean, immediately getting into it and the follow-up question immediately comes to mind, why is mindfulness so effective for tinnitus? I mean, we all know the mindfulness, like you know, if, many people will now think about the mindfulness stuff that they see on Instagram, right? People saying, like, "Oh, you need to be, eat more mindful, you need to walk more mindful, and this is going to be great for your brain." But and and I mean, right, I, I can guess the answer, but for the people out there who are listening, why why is mindfulness uh, so effective for tinnitus management?
0: Well, as you mentioned, I think mindfulness, or you know, it, it being present on purpose in the in the in this moment is, um, you know, just wonderful for our brain. I see in the background there, for those who uh, are listening, you can't see this, but I see a guitar in the background. Mm. And, um, and I make a lot of analogies to um, music in my work. I see mm. the brain as an orchestra. Mm. And, you know, if you, it was funny, I, my daughter uh, was asking me about the brain. So I've go to the computer, and I Google it, and I come up with this picture of the brain that was color coded. Each section had a different color. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it, and I was like, wow, that looks like an orchestra. Because I was Mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, the symphony, and how we have a violin section, a trumpet section, you know, oboes, and all everything in between. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, each section needs to be playing in tune, in order to make music. Now, you can have amazing musicians out there, but if the violins are playing in the key of A and everybody else is playing in the key of B and C and what have you, I don't care how good they are. It's just not going to be music. And so what I've been going back to mindfulness meditation, uh, I think the reason why the world is seeing this as such a valuable tool is because it is a wonderful way, much like a conductor that gets up in front of the orchestra and taps the lectern and stops for a moment, listens carefully pays close attention, and makes small alterations to make sure that everybody is playing in key. Hmm. I see the brain and mindfulness meditation as just that. It's an opportunity for us to tap the lectern, to stop for a moment, to pause, and even pay attention to where is my mind in this moment.
1: Right. okay
0: so that that i would say i could you know generalize that to any human out there i think you know who do do we think we are to leave the house in the morning without tuning our orchestra right and so um so mindfulness meditation is just good mental health now now we we if you're talking about tinnitus do i think mindfulness meditation is going to be the only thing that's going to help somebody with tinnitus absolutely not i i've I think of it as one of the many tools that can be helpful and one that I love so much because you can practice it at three o'clock in the afternoon. You can practice it at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's something that goes with you everywhere. And so it's just a um, a really effective tool. You don't need a prescription for it. There are no negative side effects. So um, it's really a wonderful opportunity. However, um, so for the tinnitus part, I make it very clear that mindfulness meditation or any kind of relaxation isn't going to fix anything. But something that I incorporate after thousands of hours of working with my patients is, and and both in the course and in my individual work, I make it very clear to my patients that what we do together is help you feel less anxious about tinnitus. Number two, make sure you're an expert in what it is. And I'm talking about accurate information on exactly what it is what's happening in your brain what's right. happening in your mind etc cetera, etc cetera. this is critical and then the right. third part which i think touches on so nicely to a mindfulness meditation practice is finding a way to relax the brain to relax to to reduce stress because when we reduce stress we create space mm. and we, we we end up giving ourselves choice and freedom and how we're going to respond rather than mm. react Right in all in, in old, ineffective ways. And so right. that's really what we're helping the tinnitus patient with is right. to get on un, unstuck. We're helping our patients to get unstuck and be able yeah. to basically take this benign body sensation and put it where it belongs in the background,
1: mm. yeah, one hundred percent, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, that was very helpful. And um i can I can just uh, a little bit expand on what you said, what what the big benefits are, right? You you go from this crazy kind of um, uh, uh, fight or flight uh, uh, state that is constantly triggered in your response to something that, of course, as a symptom itself, for example, for me in response to my hearing loss, um, the response of my auditory pathways are tinnitus in my brain for me being able to hear a sound that is not there. Um, But if I constantly react to that because I have characterized it as something dangerous because I read on the internet or I read in certain forums or somewhere that this is really awful and that this I will not be able to get rid of, uh, then, of course, I'm constantly stuck in this fight or flight instinct, right? And then I don't give my brain a chance to really evaluate what kind of situation am I in? Am I in a reactive, repetitive cycle that I'm only in because I think that's the adequate way to respond? Or is that just simply the uh, fight or flight that holds itself alive in perpetual response to this, which I have characterized as dangerous? I mean, maybe I'm not, I mean, maybe it's a little bit to grasp if you, if you are not yet familiar with these techniques, right? Uh, for the people listening out there. But if you then manage to really, get an assessment right what's on the scale what kind of feelings are on the scale what kind of emotions are on the scale and and where can i where can i go and, and and just put a clean slate and say like how do i actually feel right now rather than thinking of what i should probably be feeling right now about my tinnitus and about the response that i'm having so i think that's very 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 great and um if i think I, it's if a I, yeah yeah it, it's please. a good
0: it's a good it's it's important to um To understand, I think, uh, you know, first of all, that that tinnitus is a benign body sensation that your brain has misunderstood as important to pay attention to when it actually very safely can put it where it puts all other benign body sensations in the background. Now, let me preface this by saying that it is incredibly uh, unpleasant. Okay, so sometimes when I talk about tinnitus, I can seem kind of either cavalier or Uh, easy breezy about it, but it's not lost on me how absolutely life changing and devastating it can be for many. Now, -hmm. if you look at, so the brain is basically misunderstanding a body sensation. And that goes back to the mindfulness meditation. When the brain is out of tune, and again, I see your guitar in the background. If you take that guitar and you crank up the pegs, you know, the, the strings will get tighter and tighter and they'll be playing sharp. And so the person who is stressed, the mind that is in a state of fear, as you put it, is really playing sharp, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so um, again, it's, it's uh, the, the brain is misunderstanding a benign body sensation. And that often happens when our orchestra or when our mind is not appraising the environment accurately. And that can happen when we're stressed. Now it's important to also understand that, um, the demographics of this okay when i say sure. demographics i'm, I'm just going to talk about the united states because that's where i live but um so 50 million americans experience tinnitus okay that's a huge number okay yeah. however but you have to look more closely at that group because 50 million americans are not bothered by tinnitus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so let's take that 50 million and let's break it down to what we're really talking about here So we have 20 million Americans who are bothered enough by their tinnitus to go to their doctor and say, oh my gosh, Mm. something's going on. I don't know what's happening, but this is not okay. Okay, so that's 20 million. We're gonna call them the bothersome group. Mm. But that means, if you do the math, that there are 30 million Americans that are walking the streets of our country with tinnitus, but they don't care, Right. okay? And so in my work over the years, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, I've spent thousands of hours with the people in the 20 million group. I'd, I don't know. I can't speak to the people in the 30 million group, but I've become very interested on what is the difference? What makes the 20 million bothersome group different mm-hmm. from the 30 million non-bothersome mm-hmm. group? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's very important for the patient or the um, the clinician or anybody who has tinnitus in their world to really understand uh, the big difference between the two because when we understand the difference we can again start to create space and make choices as to how our brain will respond to tinnitus rather than react. Right. And so you know if interested I'd love to tell you what I found um as being the difference between these two uh, very very different groups.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So um so it's 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 important to understand that uh, that tinnitus starts with hearing loss. Okay. Now it can be, uh, either, uh, measurable or not measurable after a certain age, we all have hearing loss. Okay. That is, that is the, the natural progression of our human existence over time. We lose sensitivity to things like vision, uh, touch, smell, taste, and certainly to our hearing. Okay. So, um, you know, many people come into me and they say, well, wait a minute. I went to my
1: my ENT said I don't have any hearing loss. Yeah, I Ah, get that story ah. a lot as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, (laughs) but let me let me explain to you what's happening there. Because, because like you say, I get that a lot. And I think that it's a good use of our time to kind of dispel a lot of a lot of false information. So when you go to your audiologist or the person who's doing your hearing test, they're testing between 250 hertz to 8000 hertz. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you know how many Hertz the human ear can hear
1: out to? Yeah. I mean, it's 20, 20 kilohertz, right? And some exactly. people you would be, you'd be wondering what people can, what people can hear. And then I have, uh, I, I know a lot of people who have lost that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so what does that tell you? When you're going to get your audiogram, which is the, the hearing test itself, they're testing out to 8,000 kilohertz, but we hear the human ear hears out to 20,000. Yeah. So yes, the, the reason why our doctors test us from here to here, you know, up to 8,000 hertz is because that's where our hearing world really exists. Yeah. That's where speech sounds are. That's where environmental noises are. That's where life really happens for us. OK, and so um, but let's not make any mistake. If you did an audiogram way out to 20,000 hertz, I think I know that, you know, everybody after a certain age would see a, a kind of a high frequency uh, yeah. drop in their hearing. So th- that that's an important thing to, to clear up. Now, congratulations to all of those people out there that come in and say, but wait a minute, I don't have hearing loss. Yeah. That is that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah. Your your ears yeah. are are probably, you know, are are doing their job. Okay. Right. And even for people that have some high frequency hearing loss on their audiogram, many of them are very happy with their hearing world. They're able to take information from the world and use it in a way that satisfies them. So even a little yeah. bit of hearing loss in the high frequencies is not a tragedy. Yeah. But let's talk about uh, phantom limb sensation and what's happening in the ears. Okay, if I, God forbid, cut my hand off, my hand is literally at the end of my arm, but my hand is really in my brain. This is where all the sensations come from. This is where all the commands come from. This is where all the memories of the hand are. And so the brain doesn't like gaps. And so in the absence of the hand, God forbid I cut my hand off, the brain starts to say, wait a minute, where's my hand? It has to be here. I was born with a hand. I've used my hand my whole life. It has to be here. So the brain searches and searches and searches for it because it has to be here. And Mm. in that search, it starts to really search. And in that Mm. search, it starts to create the sensation as if the hand were still there because the neurons Mm. are so heavily stimulated in that search. Uh, so uh. now so now let's move over to the ears. I'd love to make analogies, as you can tell, mm. uh, because something that's happening in one section or part of our body, we can oftentimes make analogies to what's happening in other parts of the body. So now let's move from the hand to the ears. So inside our cochlea, which is in basically the last hurrah before sound goes to the auditory nerve and to the auditory cortex and where we get the perception of sound we have this little cochlea. It's very tiny and it's shaped like a little snail shell and it kind of coils in on itself like a conch shell or, or a snail shell. And so there are tiny little hair cells that line the inside. Now, as a as a, obviously a musician yourself, this I find very interesting. If you take that cochlea and unravel it so that it's flat in front of you, you have the high frequency hair cells at, on one side and you have the low frequency hair cells on the other side and every every tonotopic uh, hair cell in between, just like a piano, which I find fascinating because here we think the Italians invented the piano when really oh. humans humans have been walking around with a piano inside them all these years. Oh. So anyway, so that's just a little interesting tidbit. So let's take the cochlea starting in the low notes and let's roll it back up again so that it, be- it becomes a coil or a, co- a uh, conch shell again. So the mouth of the cochlea has all the high frequency hair cells and deep, deep, deep inside are the low frequency hair cells. And so over time, air comes through the ear over time, over time. And it naturally and normally kind of starts to chafe off those high frequency hair cells first. And so when in the absence of those hair cells, we no longer can perceive that, that frequency, the brain starts to freak out. It says, wait a minute, I was born being able to hear that frequency it has to be here so the brain starts to search and search and search and search and it still can't find it and the brain really starts to freak out and search and then boom it creates the sensation that we hear as tinnitus and so what I'm trying to say is your silly brain and I mean that with all due respect your silly brain is searching for a sound that it's no longer receiving. So nothing's broken. There's really nothing to fix. We have to accept that the brain has to learn to calm down in that area and basically say, you know what, let me hear what I hear. I don't have to overwork to hear a a frequency that I'm no longer receiving. And I very comfortably can place it into the background. There's nothing here to fear. There's nothing broken. There's nothing to fix. Mm. And so that begins the process of being able to put this, uh, tinnitus sensation in the right category from the bothersome category right. and then shift it into the non-bothersome right. category. Right. And, you know, there's this big thing. Oh my God, where's the cure? Where's the cure for tinnitus? What's wrong with right. our medical community? Right, right, that right, they right, can't right. find a cure. Yeah, yeah. But, but I will argue that there is an effective cure and here it is. Same here. If, if you have non-bothersome tinnitus for the rest of your life, meaning you might have tinnitus, you might not have tinnitus for the rest of your life. That's between you you and the powers that be. If you have non-bothersome tinnitus for the rest of your life and it doesn't bother you, then who cares? And that to me is what I call the effective cure for tinnitus. So when, you know, you can't cure something that's not broken. And I argue that nothing is broken. Your body is just overreacting and searching for a sound that it's no longer receiving. That doesn't mean anything's broken. Your brain is perfectly imperfect the way it is. And so we have to use our prefrontal cortex. We have to use accurate information in order to calm down the parts of the brain that might be kind of starting the fight or flight response erroneously, and to take a deep breath, maybe use mindfulness meditation to calm the system and to kind of, you know, tune the brain to then shift tinnitus from the 20 million bothersome category into the 30 million non-bothersome category. And you've, you know, and you're good to go.
1: Yeah. 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 I think it all starts with understanding this and, um, uh, it's 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 often the complexity i think that's one of the biggest obstacles and of course also the complexity of our healthcare systems i uh, today's podcast uh, day i had another conversation with uh, dr michael golenhofen he's a tinnitus specialist for 30 years already in germany as well and um the complexity of 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 tinnitus management i think often lies in the fact that people yeah, it's it's a long way to first understanding what you just talked about, and of course, for for us who we've been working in the space, this is this is relatively clear. And for us, it's relatively clear that not in fact anything is broken with the per- person in self, but it's the response to that stimulus that they're constantly tuning into that is provoking the negative emotional reaction, the fight or flight instinct, the loss of energy. Right? If you would fight with your partner for eight hours a day, how would you feel at the end of the day? Right? If you're fighting your tinnitus eight hours a day, how do you feel at the end end of the day tired exhausted then you ascribe that to the sound that you're hearing and there you have the whole process starting again how yeah. you expect to sleep at night with this hyper arousal etc and exactly what you said we have to shift ourselves to a perspective of understanding and saying in the same way where and i've been dealing with this a lot myself creating a business working a lot but this was the perfect thing for me to get into acceptance and commitment and mindfulness and phys- a psychophysiological insomnia Nothing yeah. is in fact wrong with your body, but you are responding to sleep in a way that it is becomes unnatural rather than being natural and saying, I put my head down to the pillow at night and go to sleep. The same thing with tinnitus, right? Between bothersome and non-bothersome. There is something right. wrong or there is perception of that is just something. It's a part of my my, my, my body working. If you were tuning into our heartbeat, we could continuously probably hear a heartbeat. But we don't. you're making
0: you're making a very good point but I I do want to argue with one thing I mm. actually don't think that tinnitus is confusing or complicated um mm. and you know no matter if you've just gotten into the field or been in this 30 years I think it's mm. very important to, I mean to really help people understand it in a way that uncomplicates it because Mm. this isn't complicated. This is just your silly brain searching for a sound that it's no longer receiving. And what, you know, again, these analogies are very, very helpful to, um, to make simple analogies that we can all understand. Now, one, one analogy that comes to mind, as you say, that is this telephoto lens that we have in our brain, I'll say, I mean, we certainly have the eye, which functions as a telephoto lens, but imagine, the brain as um a telephoto lens and on the first day that people experience tinnitus and for many people they know the exact time they know the exact time of you know place they yeah. were standing in when they yeah, first yeah, experienced yeah. it they remember yeah. the thoughts and the memories and all that goes into it and it right. can kind of feel almost traumatic and mm-hmm. what the mind does what the mind naturally does when there's something fearful in front of it is all of a sudden the mind kind of zooms in like a telephoto lens zooming mm-hmm. in yeah. And so what happens is on that day, boom, the lens closes in on Tinnitus, and my God, it can see it, it with amazing clarity, but to uh-huh. the to the exclusion of everything else around it. Yeah. But if you open up the telephoto lens and open up the the aperture you're still, obviously, you still can see what you were looking at, but it's within the context of everything else around it. And yeah. so what I see, and this is very uncomplicated, what I've seen after thousands of hours of working with people with bothersome tinnitus, and I wanna get also go, go also to the personality behind the person with bothersome tinnitus. Um, what I'm seeing is that the person with bothersome tinnitus, their lens got locked and loaded on tinnitus and, uh-oh, it got stuck. It just got stuck. Mm. And it's having trouble opening up the aperture so that it can take tinnitus in with all the other body sensations that are happening in any given moment. And so I like to uncomplicate tinnitus. Tinnitus is, and and again, it's not a disorder, but I like to call it a stuck disorder,
1: Mm. Meaning,
0: meaning the person with tinnitus is stuck on tinnitus. And so what, you know, the, the key to getting unstuck is certainly reducing stress. Well, the key to getting unstuck is to lower your anxiety about tinnitus. I call this the, you know, the tinnitus triad, getting, feeling less anxious about tinnitus, which I think when some, when we understand something, we become less anxious also making sure they're getting accurate information. All it takes is one bad piece of information about tinnitus to start the story, to wrap around this otherwise benign body sensation. It gets wrapped up in this Gordian knot and it becomes ossified and then the person gets Stuck. It's
1: like, it's like our herd mentality. We, we see that other people fear and danger and our survival mechanism kicks in saying if that's dangerous or threatening to this person, surely it must be dangerous and threatening for me exactly as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, Sorry and for interrupting. Se- please, no, please. no, no.
0: You make a great point. I mean, tinnitus is a paper tiger for those listening out there, paper tiger. It It's just that it's a, it's a tiger and a tiger can feel threatening and fear provoking, but it's made of paper. So tinnitus is a paper tiger yeah. and and part of the education is to really help our patients understand that nothing's broken. You're simply your brain is is reacting. I'm not saying responding, your brain is reacting to a benign body sensation. And then, of course, the number three in the tinnitus triad is to reduce stress. And why, and again, that brings in the mindfulness meditation or any way that we can reduce stress is because that's what helps the mind come to a place of balance so that we can start to appraise our environment accurately. And with that comes space and freedom. Now, I want to talk about the three things that I see in all of my tinnitus patients. Okay. Now, again, I can't say anything about the 30 million bothersome group. I've sat for t- for thousands of hours with a 20 million bothersome group. But mm. I, you know, I, I haven't sat for 20,000 or excuse me, I haven't sat for thousands of hours with the 30,000 non-bothersome group. So while I think that they do have similar similar things in common, like hearing yeah. loss, I do, yeah. I can't speak to that group. But boy, yeah. do I know a lot about this 20 million category. Right. OK, and so I want to share with you today what, what I've learned, because if you can understand what is going on what makes pe- this group common it it gives us an opportunity to step back and to st- to start making those important choices so that we can let go of what needs to be let go of and shift our perception mm. so again we 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 started speaking uh before so 100% of the people in the not, in the bothersome group and probably the non-bothersome group, there's some hearing loss, but we're not going to talk about the hearing loss part anymore because for many, that's not uh, interesting. And um, hopefully everybody's connected with a good ENT and a good audiologist for those that it is an important part. Number two, everybody in this category, not just 20%, not just 80%, 100% of them have stress. And we are, you know, in this hour, we certainly can talk a little bit more about that. Now, number three, I find fascinating. Everybody, not 20%, not 83%, not 99.999% of the people that I see in the bothersome group, every single one of them, 100% has an amazing personality.
1: Just a very, very short sentence about our tinnitus book. Um, I've already mentioned it in the introduction, if you go to www.tinnitus-book.com, you can read my book called Accepting the Unacceptable, we launched it about two weeks ago, Um, there is uh, a lot of insights to be gained, it's an 8 weeks journey towards tinnitus habituation that's designed to help you find the right path, the right kind of strategies and tips and tricks that I share with all the people that I coach, but also inside our um, tinnitus.club community. So I really urge you to check it out. Um, It would be fantastic if it would help you as much as it's helping uh, all the people who are reading it already. We have more than 50 orders already, so people really start to uh, uh, read the book and I'm getting very good feedback on it. So uh, if you don't want to miss out on it, then go to www.tinnitus-book.club and grab your copy and while I'm at it also another invite today it's Tuesday and on Thursday we have another accountability check-in in in our community habituation accountability check-in is a check-in that we do uh, twice a month um and that you carry your individual goals towards tinnitus habituation into our community. So we're having a meeting with everyone in the community, so everyone who's on the community can join. Um, we encourage each other to set goals every two weeks on your journey towards habituation, towards being non-reactive towards your tinnitus, and to really let go tinnitus into the background. And if you want to witness one of those, then sign up for a free trial to our community at www.tinnitus.no. That's the tennis book. club. Right, that's the right one. Gee, so many different links, so many different URLs. Anyways, um, let's get back to the episode with Dr. Jennifer Gans. I hope that you enjoy it. Again, uh, give me a shout out. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions, send me an email to frida at outdrinktinnitus.com. Other than that, I'm super happy to be making this podcast again. Please share, like, and subscribe if you enjoy it. All right, continue enjoying the episode.
0: Okay. And so I think it's important to explain what I mean by an amazing personality. And I'm not just trying to compliment people. I really do mean it when I say that I'm I'm lucky because I get to work with uh, people with amazing personalities and anybody in the field of tinnitus does as well. Now, mm. the reason why it's an amazing personality is what I'm going to describe to you about the person behind tinnitus this personality also makes them incredibly good at what they do. It's what people love about them. it's what they love about themselves. It's what you know it's 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 one of the main things that makes them an, an effective human being on this earth.
1: The, the okay? problem solvers <laughs> wow, well you're, you're touching that yeah, so, I know I know I know I, I know my uh, I know my people. <laughs> well, let
0: me, yes. Right. So everybody that's yeah. worked in this area is certainly yeah. well aware of that. So yeah. what I want to, what I want to describe for those who are not aware of this is now, again, it's not about, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. That's a, an American right. cliche, but right. it's about understanding this amazing personality so that we can keep the part that is in fact amazing, but shave off the underbelly of it. That's keeping a person down. Okay. Mm. And keep it, keeping a person stuck with something like tinnitus now. So for all the listeners, I want you to think about yourselves as I describe um, who you are and, or think about a person, you know, with tinnitus or somebody you work with anybody who knows somebody with bothersome tinnitus. Now, again, I want to make that distinction that fall into the bothersome category. They all are, and I'm going to try to describe this. They're all people who are incredibly aware Okay, These people are on this earth, and they are showing up, and they are alert, and they are aware, and many of them are sensitive, and they pick up on things. If they walk into a room, they scan the room, and if they spot a problem, they latch onto it, and they have trouble letting go until they figure it out. Until they figure out this problem, they're not going to let go. Now, again, I don't mean this by way of diagnosis. I mean this more as a descriptor, but many of them or well, actually all of them have almost a kind of an obsessive compulsive quality to the Mm. way they go up, go about doing certain things. Mm. And what really lies below it is fear and anxiety.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so let's everybody pause for a moment and think about either yourself. The patients that you work with with bothersome tinnitus or the person you know with bothersome tinnitus and ask yourself, gosh, does that kind of describe this person? And so, you know, you think about it. This is a great quality. I mean, who wouldn't want to be with somebody who spots a problem, latches on, and won't let go until they figure it out? Right. Yeah. So this is this is a very this is a very positive quality especially in our work world today where mm. you know everybody's kind of independent where a lot of people are working from home and and these uh employers want to know that they're that their employees are out there you know spotting problems latching on and fixing them. Right. And so this is a beautiful quality. The problem is is that this also, also this quality when put to the wrong end the brain the brain you know naturally but also erroneously believes that tinnitus is a credible danger on the first day that they experience it, all of a sudden the stories start going, oh my God, maybe Mm. I have a brain tumor. Oh my God, this is all my fault for listening to loud music when I was a kid. Oh my God, am I going to have to quit my job? You know, how am I going to go on like this? You know, and all of a sudden we're no longer talking about this benign body sensation, tinnitus. In fact, what we're stuck with is this story that gets wrapped around it and so tightly that we're no longer talking about tinnitus, but we're talking about A a horror story. Yeah. And so, my job, I find, is to help people unravel that story so that they can start to see tinnitus for what it really is and place it accurately into the right category. Now, a lot of things are happening in the brain. And if we have time, we can certainly talk more specifically about where this is happening in the brain. But, um, you know, but again, it's important for us to understand that these three qualities are in each and every one of the people who have bothersome some tinnitus, and it's the glue that's keeping the lens stuck, locked and right. loaded on tinnitus to, right. the exclu- to the exclusion of all else. So right. we have hearing loss, again, not important for many, but important for some stress this is this is the stress is what takes our freedom and choice out of our out of our decisions it makes us react to things rather than respond to things stress is is very difficult for the brain and again i'll go back to your guitar if you put stress on the strings it makes it makes the the guitar out of tune now again stress on the body and mind can make the brain go out of tune it can make it play sharp and so it's very important to address the stress part and that's where I think mindfulness meditation comes in and an online course like mindfulness-based tinnitus stress reduction is an excellent way of of a person kind of starting out or even um, solidifying their mindfulness meditation practice. But again, there's many ways to reduce stress um, and then understanding your personality and saying, Oh, wait a minute, maybe I'm safe to let go of this paper tiger. Maybe I'm okay to to allow it to be there. I don't have to fix it. There's mm. nothing broken.
1: Yeah. I can
0: allow it to be there and just shift my awareness into the non shift it into the non-bothersome category. Yeah. And you know, this is what I've found to be incredibly helpful in my independent, 100%. in my in my private practice for years. And, you know, people all over the world are taking this course and they right. are successfully, we've we now have research that's showing that even as little as three weeks, People are already significantly reducing Mm. their tinnitus bother, but then at eight weeks, which the course is eight weeks long, they're reducing it even further. So I would never say to somebody, oh, just take it for three weeks. I would say, go the full eight weeks. And what's beautiful about this is in our recent research, we have found that six months later after taking the course, the gains are maintained. And that's most interesting to me because, yeah, you know, great. So you get rid of something and it, or, you know, something doesn't bother you after three weeks, after eight weeks. But what I really want to know is that there's a long term gain, there's a long term mm. benefit. And so that's right. what we have found in some recent peer reviewed research that we've done with the uh, Mindfulness-Based Tinnitus Stress Reduction or the MindfulTinnitusRelief.com course. So that's mm. made me very excited to come out and, and talk to anybody that will listen about mm. the benefits of, of reducing anxiety about tinnitus, making sure you're, you've got accurate information about tinnitus, but also finding a way to reduce stress through retuning the brain, which can be done through a mindfulness meditation program.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I think you touched on a lot of points, and I think it's um, uh, all of them um are incredibly beneficial to all the listeners out there. Um, I think uh, generally going uh from a place of knowing and understanding and maybe a little bit compassion towards your brain, just simply trying to save you. And if you are that person who is a good problem solver and you know that, uh, anxiety is the brain's response, uh, uh, basically, um, protecting us over the last hundreds of thousands of years in order to make safe that we survive. However, you can't really blame your brain survival mechanism for not knowing whether you have an intruder or saber-toothed tiger in your living room or whether you're just reacting to your tinnitus in a way that's not helpful, right? So, Mm -hmm. but uh, creating that level of understanding and then saying that, and this is one of the integral parts of what we try to achieve as well, to show and symbolize people that they can absolutely go about their lives and live their lives in exactly the same way as they did before, even while experiencing tinnitus, right? And with this kind of exposure therapy a little bit, I to- I like to talk in metaphors as well a little bit. So my first, um, first interviews and also, for example, with Rilana Chima, uh, one of the scientists from... From, uh, from Europe here uh, talking and comparing about uh, uh, tinnitus acceptance and commitment therapy approaches and spider phobia approaches, right? Of saying like, how does a person here in Europe react to a spider, which I don't know about the spiders you guys have in California, but here in Germany, the spiders are uh, very rarely ever any kind of dangerous, right? But people could sit there for hours and freak out about the spider, but eventually over time, realize that it's a certain misguided um, uh, reaction of the body trying to protect and secure your survival rather than being really an accurate interpretation of the situation as it is, right? And if we manage to show people that, I mean, with tinnitus, I always say it's a little bit more difficult because it's more subtle, right? The spider, you can see it sitting at the wall and you can remove yourself with the situation. Tinnitus is almost always there, but sometimes more present, sometimes less present. And I mean, I get these people who say mm-hmm. my tinnitus is there 24-7, which to, I often respond I, I find that hard to believe sometimes, but in the end and in the long run, if we can if we can help the person to recategorize the parts of the brain where that response kicks in that is so um uh, so hindering them from eventually responding to the triggers in a more helpful way, then uh, we go a very very long way. And I wanted to ask you, and this is something that I'm 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 personally interested as well. How would um, how would the, the 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 connection look like? Because I know that it's it, it, it's it's easy for us to say that because we know it that uh, if we remove the bothersomeness from tinnitus, a person can live a life happy without needing a full blown cure and popping a pill and getting rid of it. To telling them, look, the way you behave and respond to it, or the way your brain behaves and respond to it is the nut that we want to crack, right? So I find that a little bit difficult to go from full-blown person, like, I need a cure. We need this thing to work and go away to, like, say, like, open myself up and saying, like, well, maybe there are these other 30 million people who experience synopsis, who experience it. But who are actually not bothered by it, so they don't need a cure, and you can be part of that group too. So how do we? How how do you bridge that right. in your practice?
0: Right. Well, you're making a very good point. I mean, first, let me say that you know, again, I I feel compelled to say that you know, these words come out of my mouth very simply. You know, it's it's very easy to talk about tinnitus. It is incredibly hard to experience it and live with it. You know, it, again, my analogies can seem. Very blasé or very, um, uh, but but I want to shifting tinnitus from bothersome to non bothersome for many can almost be one of the hardest things that they that they've done in their lives. Now it's one hundred percent possible because why would your brain stay focused on a benign body sensation? However, the process of getting from there to there can be very difficult. And what I'm hearing you talking about is something we see very commonly is that when people experience tinnitus for the first time, very naturally, very normally, they create a war.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: The war that they create is, and when we think about wars traditionally, certainly in, in the United States, and perhaps you could say worldwide, is that when we think of war, we think of annihilation. We think of, let's go in and let's get them. Let's take mm-hmm. guns and let's, let's blow yeah. this out of the water, Yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. Now, I wouldn't disagree that there is a war with tinnitus, but the way you win this war is actually non traditional. The way you win the war with tinnitus is not about picking up weapons and shooting. The way mm-hmm. to win this war is by putting your weapons down yeah, yeah and, sure. and stopping the fighting. That's how you win this war. But again, you know, our, you know, maybe it's a partly cultural. This is not something that we traditionally think of when we think of something that's bothering us. We want that cure. We want to go in and we want that Get pill. Rid of it. Yeah. We want that procedure. Yeah. We want to remove, yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to remove yeah. it. And so sure, you can keep doing that, you can keep punching and pulling through. But the problem is, is we want to be efficacious. We Uh. want the end result. Uh. And you're not going to get the end result if you keep that militaristic war going and Uh. that fight, that fight to Uh. find that cure when really there's nothing to cure. You you can't cure, you can't cure something that's not broken. You can't cure something that isn't curable to be fit Uh that that isn't necessarily needing to be fixed. So I think we're, we're using the wrong language and we're using the wrong weapons. Uh The weapons we need to use is to just not fight it at all. And maybe, Uh you know, and that's where again, where mindfulness meditation is excellent, because, you know, here we focus on the breath. And the breath is a wonderful tool, I should say, for the meditator, for mindfulness meditation and many different forms of meditation, not for all, but because, you know, unless you have a pulmonary issue, unless you have a breathing issue, many of us are not, uh, we're not critiquing our breath. We're not saying, oh, wow, you know, I'm not breathing as well as this person or, you know, we're usually (laughs) not, we're usually not judging the breath. And so it becomes this really nice kind of blank slate that we can put our attention to, and then watch where the mind goes. Mm. And so one of the things that I do with my patients, and certainly in the course, is I teach them to take that same equanimity, that same kindliness, that same Uh, Compassion that we can give to ourselves as we relate to the breath, the non-judgmental awareness of the breath. We practice putting that same non-judgmental awareness on another benign body sensation. Mm. The breath that you could you could argue is a benign body sensation. We are and we help with the patients practice bringing that non-judgmental awareness, that same quality they bring to the breath. Can you place that onto tinnitus and just Mm. be with the tinnitus and then watch where the mind goes? Because Mm. that tells you an awful lot about the stories the mind is creating. And if you can can identify the story, you are in a powerful position to then let go of the story. Mm. And when that becomes the practice, and if you do that, enough, all of a sudden tinnitus becomes boring to the brain. Yeah. And, and that's our goal here is we want to make tinnitus so uninteresting to the brain that the brain gets consumed with something else and the attention goes elsewhere that that is the definition of the person in the non-bothersome group those people find tinnitus boring enough to be able to go about their daily life and yeah it might be there and just not being it it you know the brain has this triage of sorts you know we focus in on what's salient and if something is fearful it usually goes to the you know to the first position and then everything else we kind of um You know, there are things that are going on in our in that are not in our awareness that haven't made it into our awareness because it's just it's either not interesting or it's not a danger. And so uh, so what we're hoping to have the brain do is to recategorize tinnitus and to see it accurately so that it can go to the kind of the unconscious side of the brain and move into the background. And Mm. so, again, we we, and I and I use languaging and, and that's not really a word in English, really, but using language, speaking to yourself and filling your prefrontal cortex with accurate information so that you can when, when tinnitus is there, you can change the story around it. You can soften the words. Now, again, I know, again, I, I want to preface this by saying that for many people, the tinnitus experience brings them to their knees. It is hard. It is life-changing. It is devastating for so many. It's just that I don't want your brain to know that. And so what we're doing is we're using the brain to change the brain. We're using kind of more vanilla words and more vanilla thoughts and more kind of uh, non-inflammatory uh, thinking in order to, it's the amygdala, which, you know, again, we could go into where it's happening in right. the brain, but right. we, we want to use our, our knowing mind to chill out the subconscious part of our brain that is right. in the habit of over- reacting or misunderstanding right. this otherwise benign body sensation. Yeah. So how we talk to ourselves, I think that that's where CBT comes in as being very effective because that, you know, we, we talk a lot about in, in cognitive behavioral therapy about, you know, the, the language that we use Who in our minds. Yeah. Yep. And so I think mindfulness meditation and certainly any education is has CBT qualities. So, you know, people are like, Oh, mindfulness, CBT, ACT, you know, all these different, they all are, there's multiple crossovers, multiple crossovers. So, so making a distinction, there are distinctions, but they do dovetail nicely into each other. And so I think that using our brain to change our brain is the, is a non pharmacological. Uh, way for any human being to shift tinnitus from the bothersome category into the non-bothersome category, and then the war is won. And then why would you need a cure for something that doesn't bother you, right. it, it, seeing that it's benign? Right. Now, benign benign doesn't mean good. Okay. Now, right. many people have benign tumors. Nobody right. wants a nobody right. wants a tumor. Right. Nobody wants a tumor, but at least it's benign. Thank God it's right. benign. Nobody wants tinnitus, but thank God it's benign. And so with that, we can then calm our our system and, and teach our amygdala that it's fighting a war that doesn't need to be fought. And it helps us to shift tinnitus from the bothersome into the non-bothersome category. And so many people who are like, "There has to be a cure." Come on, researchers, where? Why aren't you doing your job? There has yeah. to be. Where? Where? You know, yeah. where's yeah. the where's the money? Yeah. You know, let's yeah. spend millions and millions and millions of yeah, dollars yeah, 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 yeah. on finding something when when the key is inside of our own brains. Just like yeah. the piano is inside the cochlea, the answer yeah. is inside everybody's mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and we're not even getting into the um the difficulties of uh finding something um that is intertwined with what you earlier on so well explained between the um physiological aspects of literally the, the 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 structures of the inner ear and the electrical interpretation of the misguided. A stimuli that is interpreted by the brain as synthesis, right? When we talk about that, it's basically like your brake pads on your car are manual, but the brake fluid and the input right now in every modern car is electrical, right? And that transmission, right? If you, if you were a, a very, very fantastic car mechanic from 60 years ago, you wouldn't be able to fix that car today. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. In the same way that if you go and try to... I mean, there's one thing where you can try and fix inner ear disorders, right? Where we see Great research and and fantastic stuff being done. I remember uh, going to HLA already in 2018, having Kevin Frank talk about uh, fish and mice and experiments of fixing the inner hair cells, et cetera. So, I mean, that's fantastic, right? And I, myself, as a deaf person and hard of hearing on the other ear, I would gladly, if it's safe and uh, right, safe treatments in 10, 15 years, I would certainly try to get some sense of my hearing back. But knowing that tinnitus is at a completely different level and expecting that to easily be solved with a uh, a pill I can pop without really fearing severe side effects of whatever that could be in the future, right? Right. That is something where I say, but if I have the chance of shifting myself, as you so well put it, into the non-bothersome category, if I, I also often speak in metaphors, if I move to a new place and there's a train running in the background for the first week, I won't sleep. But afterwards, my brain learns to categorize, train, night, no problem, you sleep, right? And the same thing we can do with tinnitus in a very, very simple manner. I mean, maybe sometimes not as simple, maybe sometimes it'll be yeah. a little bit more tricky, but as you so well put it, it's possible. I always say, if you have a brain and you have tinnitus, if you have a brain and if you're human, you can learn how to habituate to tinnitus and live with tinnitus without being bothered by it. So I thought that was fantastic. So thank you for everything that you already explained so far. And um, and I, I just thought it was uh, uh, so adequately and uh, well put. And you really can tell that you spent many decades of your life already uh, working in this. And, and from the community and from everyone listening, I want to also, of course, say a thank you for you, because you are someone who is at the forefront of this. And maybe not uh, to all these people screaming for that uh, cure and medical community and whatnot, but you are actually someone putting in the work for all these decades already. So, yeah, thank you.
0: Well thank you. I really do um, appreciate giving being given the opportunity to uh you know be able to speak to as many people as I can. You can tell that I love this topic. I could talk about this for a couple more hours. I'm actually sad that our that our time is up, but um you know I really appreciate uh being able to uh get this this message out because there is so much false information out there and there you know there's You know some bad actors out there i mean we and all it takes like i said is one bad piece of information to get the fear networks going again and so i think that everybody out there needs to be careful we need to really be careful where we get our information And, uh, you know, to really vet where this information is coming from. And I feel very honored that um, after, you know, spending so many years and thousands of hours with people with bothersome tinnitus, that I have this opportunity to give clear and accurate and um, well thought out information on how to really bring people relief. Mm -hmm. So I I really do, Frida, I really do thank thank you so much for this opportunity.
1: Uh, absolutely, Jennifer, and I'm sure that this won't be the last time that we'll have you on the podcast because our li- listenership, not only from Europe but from all across the world, uh, uh, probably will uh, really appreciate uh, you taking up the time today in the morning of your probably very busy Wednesday morning in San Francisco. For me, it's time to have uh, dinner with my wife, and then we decided yeah. to uh, take a little bit of a stroll, uh, have a, a small a small beer somewhere, and enjoy the last. Uh, Last few summer evenings here. So yeah, thank you very much for taking the time out tonight.
0: Oh, well, or thank you, Frieder,
1: For you. <laughs> thank her. you so much. And um, I, I would just, uh, one thing that I would ask you. Um, of course. If we're speaking to someone who's rel- relatively new with tinnitus, um, someone where we, of course, we've brought them a lot of information already by listening to everything you've uh, you previously said, but what should some of the first steps include so the person knows where to guide their best attention to and to get that most accurate information from and to really learning to start to let go. Now you mentioned your resources, but what would be some words of encouragement, some some words that you could offer, some guidance that you could offer for someone just starting with this?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I've tried to collect excellent resources. So again, if you go to mindfultinnitusrelief.com, there's an, a link to all the resources that I think are helpful. They've all been vetted. There, there are things that I believe in. Um, there is more and more books coming out by uh, reputable people in the field. Um, you know, but this is this is an area that I'm, you know, branching out into. Is is how how to um, fight against false information. Um, I've just joined the board of the American Tinnitus Association, which um, is a wonderful organization for getting accurate yeah, for sure. uh, information out there to the world. And, um, you know, there again, like I said, there are some pretty bad actors out there and they have very loud voices. And yeah. so, um, you know, this this is not easily solved. I think that the world, now I can say the world, um, is struggling with false information. Whether it be with tinnitus, whether it be with politics, and we don't have to go into that. Uh, But, you know, again, um, we need to try to connect with humans that that um, that we trust that we trust. And, and it's tough out there. It's tough out there. The best of the best are, are, you know, as soon as somebody experiences something like bothersome tinnitus, what do they do? They go to the internet. Now there's wonderful information on the internet. I mean, I love my course. There's no question that there's some great information out there, but again, all it takes is one bad piece of information to really create the trauma. Mm. And so um, to the person, um, you know, I, Sometimes it's a long road. Unnecessarily, it can be a long road. Now they're going to get there. People get better. People are able to shift because the brain naturally wants to shift it. The, why would the brain want to be hanging on to a benign body sensation? Mm-hmm. So uh, people w- who are able to eventually let go and, and start to see um, that, that by reducing the stress in their lives, they're able to reprocess information and shift it to non-bothersome. People get better. People shift, but the the length of time that it can take, I think is insulted by false information. And so yep. The, the, yep. the person who, who comes to you and has only been struggling with tinnitus for two days, and even the person who's been struggling with it for 20 years, uh, they, they need to um, work very closely with someone, their audiologist, their ENT, Um, their general practitioner, somebody that they trust, to be able to weed through false information. And that's, you know, I think that this is the human condition now. We're all struggling with that. And so um, I I put my course out there because I think that it can be a beacon of accurate information. I encourage people to take advantage of that. Uh, But, you know, thank God there are people like you out there, Frieders, who be able to um, also be a voice, a beacon of hope and accurate information to the world.
1: Mm. Yeah, thank you. I think that's one of the most important things. This uh, this topic of accurate information. We have a problem everywhere, right? We yes. don't know if this this war uh, that's going on 800 kilometers from here would have started um, if information would have been able to transmit uh, freely and accurately, uh, also in 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 certain other countries and in, in, in parts of the world. So I think this is a big topic, and unfortunately, this is kind of reality. And especially, and unfortunately, with demographics, if we're talking demographics, there are still more. Uh, with the age and hearing loss progression being correlated, unfortunately, right, the older we get, um, the more prevalence of hearing loss and tinnitus. Maybe we do have, and maybe sometimes then we're also more easily pulled into information that is maybe more on the difficult side. So, I I, I don't want to presuppose that, and and this doesn't matter. So to wrap this up, I I would say I, I definitely in one hundred percent agree. I um i'm I, I must say I'm a little bit proud, but I am bringing out my book at the end of next month. So probably there will be a lot of revisions. Um, but I just wanted to share the title and just say what do you think about the title. it's It's going to be called Accepting the Unacceptable. And uh, it's like fantastic. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I spent a lot, of, a lot of time over the last few years writing on it. And now finally it's at a stage where I feel at least comfortable enough to release it inside our community. And just for a few people who have been on the, on the, on the, on, the, on in my coachings, et cetera, and get some insights from them and then maybe do some more work with it. And yeah. I'm, right. I'm very excited
0: I love that. I love that. And, you know, isn't that life, you know, they say that, um, pain in life is inevitable. But suffering is optional. It's optional. So pain in life is inevitable. There will be unacceptable in, all, in everybody's lives. But how we suffer with it is up to us. And so, again, I think that the MindfulTinnitusRelief.com course and, and bringing um, a mindfulness meditation uh, practice to something like tinnitus is kind of our way of making the unacceptable acceptable.
1: Love it. So people can find you guys at uh, mindfultinnitusrelief dot com. Uh, they yes. can also find all sorts of contact information if they have any questions about the course, the offerings, everything. Absolutely,
0: um, absolutely. You can tell that I love talking about this. So I welcome, yeah. I welcome all, all comments and all criticism, and I'm happy to, uh, you know, go toe to toe with anybody on this topic.
1: Love it. Jennifer, I am um, very, very appreciative of your time today. Thank you so much for coming onto the show in your busy schedule and uh, probably busy day ahead. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being here today, and yeah, we're looking forward to uh, catching up uh, eventually with you again and hearing what's going on on and, and uh, mindfultinnitusrelief uh, No,
0: oh, thank you so much, Freder. This is this has been a gift.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Outring Tinnitus Podcast. You know it, Friday evening, it's uh, tinnitus podcast time, depending on where you are. If you are in the United States, then it's Friday in the afternoon or at noon. Um, Friday, 8 p.m., my time in Berlin, I'm releasing a new podcast episode every single week. Um, I hope that you are enjoying it. Uh, I try to make the most out of all the years that I spent working in this industry, working with uh, hundreds of people all over the world in, um, uh, helping them manage their tinnitus, so I'm super excited, and I hope um, uh, to uh, be able to help you as well. On the other end, wherever you might be, wherever you may be listening from on this planet, um, from my heart to yours, from Berlin to wherever you are tuning in today, um, I want to say a big thank you. I want to say a big thank you again to Jennifer also for doing all her amazing work. So, um, uh, just Google mindfulness-based tinnitus relief, Jennifer Gans, and you will find uh, all the information. But of course, we're also going to put it in the show notes of this episode so you can see it in the description where you can reach out to jennifer and her team um and just a little spoiler alert um uh, jennifer and me are going to work on a few small projects for content in the future because we really enjoyed uh, this podcast episode and i think she's an amazing person and she has such a vast understanding that it's going to be very beneficial for the audience of my podcast, for all of you guys out there, but also uh, for some of the uh, audience that she has. So um, keep an eye out for that. Uh, other than that, I want to just um, invite you to check out our book again at www.tinnitus-book.com or just join us for a free trial in our community. You can help yourself and others on your path to tinnitus habituation. And pst, uh, of course, I also do individual coachings. So if you are interested in having me as your tennis coach, then uh, you know you can go to ourtringtennis.com, check out all the coachings that we offer, uh, read up on some of the blog posts, YouTube videos, etc., and yeah, really start living your best life despite tinnitus. My name is Freda, uh, I'm your host and uh, now I want to wish you all a happy weekend. Enjoy your weekend, don't let tinnitus get the better of you. Uh, we're all here for you, especially also in our community. So, right, I see you or I hear you in the next podcast episode. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I am looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at outringtinnitus.com. See you next time!